can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Um, so we got a review. I These reviews, like, I mean, I can't help but like they upset me sometimes. Like I don't care. Like it's just someone's opinion. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, oh, okay. Like you've gone out of your way to publicly tell us that you yeah. don't <laughs> like the content. <laughs> Um, basically, um, apparently like we don't talk about beauty enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which we, feels like all we do is talk about beauty. The review specifically said that we talk about dating and Netflix too much. So yeah. yeah. So let's, apologies um, to that person. Um, I feel like the reason that we do that though, is because we talk about beauty so much and also, yeah. But like what, like we've always done the cringy combo, which which isn't specifically a beauty topic. Mm. So anyway, I've got uh, as many things I could say about that review, but let's not. Hey, maybe yeah. that's our next advertising campaign. It could be. <laughs> yes, we do tend to do that. So I mean, this is a beauty podcast, not a. Do keep us going. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, but what has been happening, non dating, non Netflix related? What's been happening in your life? Uh f- because we've mm. been in lockdown for nearly a total of what is it over six months in Victoria so honestly oh. we really had nothing else to talk about so that's why we talked about those things because that's all we had going on we had a very small window of um oh, very small of dating opportunity but don't yep. worry there'll be no dating content until yep. for the foreseeable year. future yep. <laughs> I'm still pinning my hopes on Thailand 2022, just saying. Yes, you did say that last year and you said I'm going to be in Thailand by September. 2021. I, I do want to say that um, September is is almost with us. So um, oh. I'm sorry, Hannah, but I don't think you're going to Thailand this year. Next year maybe Next though. year, next year. I'm manifesting it next okay. year. Yeah, yep, I've been manifesting cool. a lot of things this year that none of them have come true. But I mean, anyway. it was pretty hard for the manifestation gods to come through for us this year. I'm not going to lie. Mm. It's been a challenging environment. <laughs> well, Joe, what's on today's episode? Uh, well, there's no Netflix or dating content, so we're jumping straight into your egg freezing journey, <laughs> which I'm so interested to hear about because you've been MIA and I've really <laughs> missed you on Instagram. So oh. we're going to be discussing that. And then we're catching up with our good friend James Vivian to talk about the latest uh, bite-sized beauty series called Dermal Diaries and, of course, our products we didn't know we needed. All right, Hannah, egg freezing, I'm very, very intrigued. (laughs) So I just wanted, um, in the interest of um, transparency, Mm -hmm. Women's Health Melbourne and Dr. Rayleigh Alou, who did my egg freezing, they sponsored my egg freezing journey because I'm doing a whole heap of content, not on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even going to talk about it on Beauty IQ, but I felt like quite a few, I had so many surprises during the journey and cringy 
surprises mm-hmm. that I thought we should have a quick chat about. Um, and it's just interesting for anyone who's never known anyone to go through this. I think it's actually really helpful content. So we, the reason I actually started chatting to Rayleigh was because we had had her on this podcast mm-hmm. ages ago, I think to talk about endometriosis. Yeah. And then I think we had her on again. So anyway, I kept in contact with Raylia and and I really wanted to share the journey. I didn't actually know what to expect. I had heard like from, I guess I thought it would be like a walk in the park. Like I just mm. thought like no big deal, a few injections. That was not my experience at all. I The injections weren't even bad, Joe. Like I didn't even I'm care about I'm surprised to hear you say that considering you scream a lot. I <laughs> legitimately, like mum watched me do it the first time. She refused to do it. Oh, come on, Linda. I was like, no big deal. I pinched my stomach fat and mm-hmm. I just like jabbed it in. Like I didn't, that didn't bother me at all. I think For even anyone, I would struggle with that and I'm pretty great with no, needles. I feel like people really think it's going to be a lot worse than it is. It's mm. not bad. And you can actually use an ice block to like numb the whole area. And I didn't even bother. Oh, yeah, to, that's smart. I didn't bother doing that. And actually I do think I was a little bit aggressive because I had bruises all over my stomach. Yeah. And I was <laughs> and I was showing. I'm like, look, mum. She's like, you're not very good at doing that. Because like <laughs> I, I was obviously just like aggressively like jabbing myself. And that I had like all these me. bruises all over my stomach. <laughs> Very forceful. Something that I didn't expect was that the injections were not bad at all. And I think that I think it's the hormones in the injections that are actually a lot worse than the actual injecting itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think every woman has a different experience with egg freezing. I've had people that are like, it's it's really not that bad. And then I think other people like me, um, I think I'm quite sensitive to hormones because just before mm-hmm. my period, I like sometimes like just feel awful. Like it's not every month, but I really, it really does affect me. You know, some yeah. people don't have any PMS symptoms at all. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but I was just a home. It was like I was pregnant, I think, like I was in the (laughs) early stages of pregnancy. Not only did I look pregnant, my stomach was, I reckon, five looked five months pregnant at one point. You did post a photo of your bloating. (laughs) It got a lot worse than that. Like I I actually got off Instagram because I felt, I just felt, I didn't feel myself. Was it painful? Uh, after the freezing, it's more painful, but not like you've just really bloated. Mm. Look, I don't know whether it was lockdown as well as the hormones, but I was very flat, like no motivation. I like, it was like I was in some kind of brain fog, which may have been lockdown though. Mm -hmm. Like I just felt like I couldn't do much. I started like falling asleep at like 4 p.m. every day and have a five-hour nap every day. Wow. I don't know if that was I like I don't know what was like like <laughs> lockdown depression and what was like actually I'm sure it's a bit of a mix of both. Yeah. But I did go and get I had to go and get um uh, ultrasounds like every few days just to see where the uh, follicles so the follicles are like the fluid sac that the eggs are in. Yeah. I didn't I didn't even know this. I, I know. It's know. amazing how much you learn, like people oh. who are trying to get pregnant or getting the eggs frozen. It's so much knowledge around fertility that you just Seriously, don't know. You have no, so what usually happens each month is that you have one egg that gets ready to be released and fertilized. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're going through egg freezing, the hormones that you take get all the eggs ready. So I had 45 follicles. She counted, or like, I think she counted 20 to 25 on each 
um, ovary. And that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. Yeah, no, okay, it's a lot. Yeah. So she's fertile myrtle. I, guys, I'm proud to say that I'm very fertile. <laughs> like I wasn't expecting that. That's great. So you can get an AMH test to see your ovarian reserve count. Mine was like 98th percentile for my yeah. age. Yeah, and then I had a lot of follicles as well. So I was like a good candidate um, for it. So I didn't realize, so my mum came with me to the first appointment a while ago and then my dad asked the same question. He said, are they taking your eggs that could be potential babies? Like they legitimately did not know. (laughs) Those eggs die every month, by the way. Like they're not take, like I know this sounds really simple for most people, but they don't take potential eggs that you could have used in five years to have a baby. Yeah. They're the eggs that die. Yeah. Why did my parents in their 60 years not know this? I think if you've never looked into it, you're probably like, why would your dad need to know that information? I just think it's good knowledge to have. Yeah, it is good knowledge to have for sure. (laughs) So, look, the thing that I really didn't know about egg freezing was that a lot of women do have to go through a couple of cycles. Oh, okay. I know a few people that have done egg freezing that have gone gone through two or three cycles, which- To get enough eggs? To get enough eggs. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even think that was going to be a possibility. I just assumed that you only do one cycle and you're done. That's Mm. actually not true. So it's really important, I guess, to do all the testing, speak to the doctor and and get an idea of, I guess, how much it's going to cost because if you have to go through two or three. And the other thing is that the earlier that you have a look into your fertility, the better. That's what I I was going to ask. Are you on the younger scale of women who are getting their eggs frozen or is there women younger than you that are doing it now? I guess the most optimal time to get it done would be like late 20s, early 30s. I was happy to, I knew 100% I wanted to do it by 33, 34. To be honest with you, there's a lot, there's a lot that happens. Like it's Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of appointments. It's not, it's actually quite a time commitment, I would say, Mm. more than I was expecting. Like you have to go in and get your scans. You've got to take the medications. I think it also depends how the medications and the hormones affect you. Like for me, it took a lot out of me. Mm -hmm. Like it's taken, I'm, I'm feeling better the last couple of days. But you get, you go in and get it done. I actually do have a funny story. And I'm sorry, this is a little bit of a dating dating content. But I came out of the anesthetic and I started telling the, the male nurse about no. a guy from a guy from oh, Hinge. No. <laughs> it was so was he into it though? He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like telling him, oh my God, I was so embarrassed. I like came to out of all the drugs and was like, did I just imagine that I said that or did I actually say that? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I was so embarrassed. Anyway, aside from that, you basically, you're in and out within a couple of hours. I reckon I was Mm -hmm. there for, for maybe two hours and there's a little bit of pain. I got 30 eggs. So that seems like a lot. Is that a lot? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. How many do they usually get? <laughs> so I think the optimal number that you'd want is like 20, I think is optimal. But that's why if you get, you know, if you get five to 10, you might have to do another cycle. Oh, okay. Um, I see. Yeah. Or they'll recommend another cycle. So yeah, no, but that's not how many have been frozen. That's just how many were retrieved. I'm still waiting okay. to hear about how many will actually go into the freezer. But yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, I think that's why I was a bit more sore. My stomach, Joe, like 
I was waddling around like a pregnant well, I lady. I didn't hear from you. <laughs> you were MIA on Instagram and usually that's how I feel like I've spoken to you because I've seen your Instagram yeah. stories. Yeah, no. Um, I, like I between couldn't. recordings, but you were, it was like you died. <laughs> and the other thing is my ravenous, okay, can pregnant women, I think we need to get someone on to talk about like, because I wasn't sure because I spoke to my sister who's pregnant and she was saying that her, her hunger in the first trimester was like ravenous. That's yeah. how I felt. So I, I was telling my parents how much I ate in one day, just yeah. like, like boasting. <laughs> What did you and have? My, my okay, so I had mac and cheese. I had a whole like loaf of bread. Oh. I kept. I, I bought like um garlic bread, and I just like yeah. wrapped them in foil and just chucked them in the Yum. um yeah a lot of garlic bread. And then I had like two megorangs. I had nine arancini balls. I had That's a big carb day. Like <laughs> no vegetables. <laughs> I think I had ice cream. I had chocolate. Like uh, like I reckon I probably had. 10,000 calories that day. Wow. I just had to keep eating. I don't think, like, part of me is like, was this the hormones or is this just me? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I did want to ask as well. So you've mentioned that the actual procedure only takes like, you know, it's pretty quick. You're in and you're out. But the whole process was relatively long. Like you've been doing this for quite a few months. So can you talk us through each of the steps to get to the egg retrieval process? So you start with a referral from your GP. Mm -hmm. So I got a referral and then I had my first appointment with Dr. Rayleigh Alou. And so we sort of chatted through it and um, and then you have to sort of make the decision about going through it. You speak to like a few different people at the clinic and then you've got to wait until the first day of your period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And then, and so I had, I was going to New Zealand and there was a couple of things happening. So I actually had two months in between. First mm-hmm. day of your period, you call the nurse and that's when you start all the medications. That process goes, I think, like between 10 and 14 days. Yeah. And then basically you keep coming back in to get your um, uh, ultrasound to, to, to have a look at the follicles, see how big they are. And like then 36 hours before the surgery, you inject yourself twice with this trigger. Mm-hmm. And then 36 hours later, you're in surgery getting them. And then you basically come into recovery it's like you're only there for a couple of hours. The surgery, I think, goes for like 20 to 30 minutes. And then you're home in bed. And I had nurses calling me every day um, because there is like a risk of this thing called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, mm-hmm. particularly for someone like me that had so many eggs. So they call you each day and ask you like a series of questions just to monitor symptoms. Um, this might be a really stupid question. Did they go in through your vagina? Yes, it's a needle. Oh, they put it. They put a needle up your your vooge, as my mum calls it, and then yeah. um, I think they put it into the follicle and drain it ah. and get the egg. But I think the egg oh. is like microscopic. It's pretty crazy okay. technology, got you guys. Wild, isn't mm. it? Science is just absolutely baffling. I know. And then they wrote on my hand thirty with a smiley face, so I could Aww. see when I woke up how many eggs I got. Oh. That's cute. <laughs> It was. Wow, what a process. And then basically I was pretty sick the first day. Yeah. Like I had quite a bit of nausea, my stomach. Oh, my God, Joe, it was so big, mm. a bit constipated. Yeah, like a mm-hmm. whole range of um, the first couple of days. So I would recommend that you expect that you're not going to be able to go straight back to work 
yeah. the next day. Even though some people do go back to work the next day, I yeah. personally was probably in too much pain to do that. Wow, what a process. Mm. It's very interesting. Obviously, if anyone wants to hear more, you're going to be sharing a lot more detail in a few pieces of content. So keep an eye out for that. Um, But I love that it just gives you a little bit more security in not having to rush into anything or feel like you're being gripped by this like body clock. Well, I think it would be different if I'd met someone because I think if you've met someone and you're with someone, you probably do have like a bit more of a sense. Look, it's not fully secure, but I would probably not be bothering because I would yeah. know that, you know, especially if I'd done the te- the test, the AMH yeah. test, I probably would have felt a little bit more secure. But, I mean, at my age, turning 33, the pandemic has not helped. Like women in their 30s, mm. like it's not helping us. Like I think it's, yeah. it's, it just feels like. I think there's an added element of anxiety around this particular yeah. topic for women in their late 20s and 30s who maybe are single or who aren't sure whether they want to have kids yet. But I think egg freezing definitely gives us a lot more opportunity to take our time, I suppose. I've read a lot of articles about women freezing eggs eggs in the pandemic. I think it's been something that's like put a hold on our Mm, like. For sure, for two years. it's so much harder to meet someone because, like particularly in Melbourne at the moment, it's just on yeah. and off and on and off. Like mm-hmm. it's just not, yeah. So reach out to me in my DMs if you want to chat about it. And, yeah, that's that's the been my journey. So I would consider our next guest a regular at this point. Uh, but what's more exciting is that this regular is hosting our next bite-sized beauty series, which kicks off on Wednesday. It's called Dermal Diaries. Welcome back, James Vivian. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Joe. Hi, Hannah. I can't believe you've given you've given us our own podcast. <laughs> You're gonna regret it. I don't think <laughs> I will. Um, so Dermal Diaries is gonna cover a lot of interesting content, but we're gonna chat today a little bit further about what's covered in that first episode. But firstly, Tell us about the series. Who are you hosting with and what kind of stuff can our audience expect to learn? So I'm hosting it with uh, Yads Couchy, who is a dermal therapist that's located in Canberra. And we've actually never met before, but I followed her on Instagram and had a little crush on her. I just love the way that she breaks down information and presents it. So when I was thinking of who we could do this with, I thought, well, it has to be Yads. Mm -hmm. And I fully agree with that. I love Yads's reels and TikToks. They just give me life. Isn't it funny people on Instagram that you've never met, but you feel like you know them better than you know your friends that you know? (laughs) Totally. Well, I just reached out to her, DM'd her, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And she's like, um, hello, um, <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, sure, why not? And then, you know, like a few weeks later you're doing it. It's quite incredible. And in terms of what we're discussing, like we're both practising dermal therapists and we're there's quite often a lot of philosophies that we talk about with a lot of our clients sort of again and again, and not that we mind repeating ourselves, but we just felt that this could be really good, particularly at the moment whilst so many people are going online to care for their skin whilst salons are closed and clinics are unavailable, that it would be a great time to get that information 
to people at home about the sorts of things that happen in the dermal therapies world. So the series is all about dermal therapies and I guess seeing things from a professional's perspective. Why did you decide to become a dermal therapist sort of, and what motivates you to do the work that you do? Well, I mean, I decided that I wanted to work with skin. And I decided that before I went and studied my diploma of beauty therapy. And whilst you learn a lot within that diploma of beauty therapy, you know, you're learning just as much about skin as you are about hair and nails and waxing and all of that. I came out of the end of my diploma, really not knowing much about the skin at all. And it only took really a couple of clients um, in my first job at ESOP to realise that I had no idea what I was talking about. Do clients would say, what's going, what's this on my face? And why is my skin doing this? And I was like, I actually have no idea. And I found that frustrating. And going and studying a Bachelor of Health Science just really seemed like the next logical step, um, being able to delve so much deeper into chemistry and into physics and into dermatology and, of course, um, anatomy and physiology itself. So I guess knowing as much as I can is definitely something that drives me. And we have a clinic in Melbourne and more and more as we get busier and busier and, and as more people are looking towards dermal therapies as ways to care for their skin, we're getting busy, busier and busier. So a lot of my time now is spent to sort of nurturing younger dermal therapists and ensuring that I can share what I know about the skin with more people because it can be a little frustrating as a dermal therapist being in a room with one client at a time and now having more therapists to help more people and also having the podcast too, we can get this information out to more people. Mm, For sure. I definitely pick your brain every time I come in and see you. (laughs) We normally have a debrief. Um, So what are the biggest misconceptions about professional treatments, do you think? Yeah, people are at home, I think, self-administering advice. They're at home going on websites, looking at treatments, looking at what they cost or looking at how extreme they are, and they're thinking, I want that. And that's what's so great about dermal therapy clinics, particularly ones that offer consultations, is that that's your opportunity to go and hear about what exactly is appropriate for you. It kind of drives us crazy as dermal therapists when people are at home self prescribing themselves skincare or treatments that are actually doing the opposite of what they're trying to Mm. achieve. So, of course, some treatments are more expensive than others. Of course, some clinics are more expensive than others. Some are harder to get into. But until you actually know what's appropriate for your skin, people should put their skin in the hands of a dermal therapist, starting with a consultation before they start getting carried away with what they do or do not need. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you what my misconception was? was that you paid all this money for some sort of relaxing treatment. This is before I started doing like chemical pills and I literally thought you paid all this money for just like to lie there relaxed. It's the opposite of relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely depends, depends where you go. And some people we find, you know, we still like to lean into a little bit of our beauty therapy back, background. You know, we still like whilst the skin is sizzling away, we still like you to be lying underneath a nice blanket and yeah. for there to be, you know, a nice ambience. But sometimes, you know, and this is where it's all about personal preference and this is 
also why we encourage people to go and look look around at multiple places before they commit is there's something out there for everyone. Some yeah. clinics are very, very clinical. They do, say, for example, appointments that are very, very quick. They're going to be less expensive. You're in and you're out. And that's what some people love. Whereas at our clinic, we're 90-minute appointments approximately. So, you know, that's a big mm. commitment and not everyone wants that. But, you know, we're also creating that little bit more of a luxurious uh, environment for them to have their dermal therapies treatments in. I mean, and you're right, everyone's different. I'm like, no pain, no gain. Mm. Like I want, to me, that's what I'm, I mean, when you go under the LED light, that's pretty relaxing. I had a face massage by Dawn at James Vivian and I have not felt feelings like that before. (laughs) Like she, uh, I was like, where did you learn this? Dawn's um, got skills. Like seriously has skills. So if you want a really good face massage. Um. And we incorporate that beca- because it's lovely to have towards the end of the treatment. And as I said to you, you know, like we love to fuse that beauty therapy and the dermal therapies worlds together. Yeah. But um, of course, you know, if we're doing a skin needling treatment, for example, you're not going to finish that off with a lovely face massage because that's quite counterintuitive yeah. and maybe a little bit dangerous. <laughs> so it, it's all depending on what, what treatments you're having and how much can we do to the face to manipulate it as much as possible. Yeah. So you did mention beauty therapy just before. Can you tell us the difference between a beauty therapist, a dermal therapist and a dermatologist and when would it be appropriate to see which professional? Sure thing. So look, a beauty therapist ideally has a diploma of beauty therapy and they can perform sort of a whole host of those traditional beauty therapy treatments. A dermal therapist really, and we do talk about this a little bit on the podcast, is that our industry is very unregulated. So potentially anyone can call themselves a dermal therapist. But what you hope that your dermal therapist has is definitely not only a a passion for the skin, but also has some qualifications to back that up. So they've gone and done some sort of further study, either a diploma or an advanced diploma, a graduate diploma or a bachelor even um, in dermal therapies where they've gone and studied specifically about the skin. But that said, I know some incredible beauty therapists that can do amazing work with the skin. They don't call themselves dermal therapists. And I know some dermal therapists Therapists that are very, very that are highly educated, but maybe not even that good, <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that. So it's really, you know, um, just because you're a dermal therapist doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, that you can do amazing things with the skin. A dermatologist, however, you know, they are that's the pinnacle of skin knowledge, really. You know, they've gone and they've done a medical degree and they come out the other end being able to, of course, prescribe prescription strength medications. There are some medications that only dermatologists can prescribe. And what they have a very, as as you can imagine, very, very broad understanding of the skin. They have to work across skin cancers. They have to work across skin sensitivities. And I think traditionally dermatologists, that's really what they focused on, those sorts of um, ailments. Whereas now you do see dermatologists that are getting a lot more into the cosmetic side of things. So they are either dealing with the sorts of um, skin conditions that dermal therapists are dealing with, or they're working in conjunction with dermal therapists in their own practice so that they can really sort of do the full gamut of skin issues. Mm. I think more modern dermatologists are fantastic because you see like the the more 
historical dermatologists that maybe didn't know as much about skincare products, but were very knowledgeable in like skin conditions and all that stuff. And I feel like the more modern dermatologists are across everything. They know ingredients, they know skincare products, they know pretty much everything. Um, But as you said, like a dermal clinician in their practice can really complement that as well. Yeah, it's really important. And we've talked about this in the podcast that a good dermal therapist knows what they can and what they cannot Mm, do. So, you know, for for Yads and I, we ensure that we have this community of practitioners around us so that as soon as we know that we can't do something rather than just saying, oh, we can't do that, sorry, we can say we can't do that, but we know exactly who can. And sometimes that's a referral straight to a dermatologist, or Mm. that could be any one of the other practitioners that um, can complement what we do because we know that, you know, the skin is attached to this body. It's part of this huge ecosystem um, and it takes a village. It really does. Yep. And yourself and Yads discuss your experience and education in a bit more detail in that first episode. So I'd encourage everyone to go and have a listen to that. But what advice do you have for anyone wanting to pursue a career in dermal therapies? We often see, and it's really, really lovely when we have a client that will come in at some point of their dermal therapies journey and they'll say, hey, James, I've just enrolled um, in dermal therapies. And I, I would suggest that for anyone that's kind of got a little bit of an, uh, passion and thinking that, that that might be a road they go down, to build a relationship with a derm- dermal therapist first. Go and start seeing someone for your skin because, you know, that could be passion enough for you. You know, you've got passion for your skin. You just want to see it change and that might might be enough. But I think what often happens with some clients on their journey is that they realise how impactful the treatments they've had um, have been on them and also how, you know, much they love visiting the clinic. They see themselves maybe doing that one day. So, you know, we love um, having those interactions and we love supporting any future dermal therapists. So come and reach out to either myself or Yads at any time because yes, we need more fabulous dermal therapies in this industry. Both of their handles will be in the episode notes if you want to go and stalk either James or Yads or both and follow them. Um, But you can expect to learn about things like pregnancy skincare, impaired barriers, all the different professional treatments and what's most appropriate for different concerns. So there's heaps and heaps of information in there. I'm super excited to listen myself and um, I know that our audience will really enjoy it. So go and subscribe to Bite Size Beauty. You can just type Bite Size Beauty into your little podcast thingy. How would you say it, Hannah? Um, Wherever you're you're (laughs) listening to this podcast. (laughs) Wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, And Dermal Diaries will be uh, hitting uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts on Wednesdays. So thank you, James, for joining us. We're looking forward to hearing more of your voice. Thank you. Thanks, girls. We can't wait. Okay, so product we didn't know we needed. Hannah, do you want to kick us off? Sure. I um, wanted to talk about the It Cosmetics Hello Results Retinol Cream because I feel like there's some people that are like quite nervous about using retinol mm-hmm. serums. And there's like when you go online, there's some really like hardcore retinols online. And I personally don't like to use a hardcore retinol because it just freaks my skin out. Yeah. Um, so I, when my skin doesn't, like I just assess my skin and I'm like, okay, I want to use retinol this week, but I don't want to use like a hardcore serum like on my skin. I want to put a couple of serums on and then put something on over the top mm-hmm. to kind of create that barrier between putting something really active on my skin when it's not feeling up to it. So mm-hmm. I really, I I don't know if people know this, but there are creams like 
moisturizers that you can put on that have retinol in them. Um, And I find them a lot less intense, particularly if you're starting on retinol for the first time um, or you want to give it a go, I would recommend something like this. So there's a Murad have one as well. They do a moisturizer with a retinol as well. Yes, they do. Yeah. And the It Cosmetics one, which I've been using. So this, it also has niacinamide in it as well, but it's like hydrating because it's like a moist, it's kind of like a moisturizer texture, but um, it also has the like active ingredient, which will like, if you don't know, retinols, good for things like pigmentation and fine lines and wrinkles. And it does actually say that this is suitable for daily use, but you could try it, see how your skin reacts to it, and then sort of like work up to daily use. Unlike, mm. I guess, like a serum where you might start once a week and then and move up, this might be yeah. a better way to introduce it more slowly. What about you, Joe? What's on your list? Uh, I was convinced I'd already done this. Like I, and I even like trawled through Google to see if I had already done this on a different podcast, but I don't think I have. And if I have, I'm doing it again because I just <laughs> finished this product, just finished another pump of it. And I thought I just have to talk about it again. Um, so it is the Murad Prebiotic 4-in-1 Multi-Cleanser. Now, anyone who follows me on Instagram probably know I talk about the ASAP Gentle Cleansing Gel a lot, but this is the second cleanser that I always have in my shower. So I have the ASAP Gentle Cleansing Gel, the Murad Prebiotic 4-in-1 Multi-Cleanser, and then I also have mm-hmm. the um, Dermalist Lactic Cleanser. Mm-hmm. So I tend to do a bit of a um, double cleanse with these two, or I'll do like a balm or oil cleanser first, followed by this one. But this is actually a a gel to oil texture. It just like melts into your skin. And I think what I really like about it is that it is so gentle, like great for any skins that are struggling with sensitivity or just always sensitive and red and don't tolerate products very well. Um, So I tend to opt for this if my skin, like my rosacea is flaring up a little bit or my skin's just feeling a little bit sensitized. So it's great for dry and dehydrated skin types. It stops you from stripping away that barrier. So if you find that your skin doesn't tolerate other cleansers very well, this would be a good option because it doesn't strip away that moisture. Um, and it's got the prebiotics in there as well, which um, can help to support the What's microbiome. What's a prebiotic? A prebiotic. <laughs> What's the microbiome? <laughs> um, so the microbiome is the makeup of bacteria on the um, outer layer of your skin. So that keeps everything in balance. It keeps your skin really healthy. And if you basically stuff your barrier, then all of that is out of whack and you'll end up having like, you know, a multitude of issues. So It is a really, really good option for anyone that has got an impaired barrier. I would recommend it for that. It doesn't really have a smell. It's in a little pump bottle. It's 58 bucks, so it's not like super, super affordable, but it's also not like the most expensive cleanser I've ever used. But I do really, really like it, and I've just finished another one, and I'm adding it to my staff order. So that is my product in it, no one needed. That's always if you're reordering it on a staff order. Yeah, yes, that is the tell. If we are reordering shit. Um, then it's it's a ride or die product, in my opinion. Um, so what do we talk about if we can't discuss dating on Netflix, Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go back to the drawing board and have yeah, a think about. We might like have what, to reconsider. Like what else could? Do you want we me to read out an affirmation? I've got my affirmation card here. Sure, go All for right, it. I'm going to read everyone an affirmation. I'm just going to shuffle my cards here. Right, this is an affirmation for everyone's Monday morning. Oh, 
What a good one. Okay, this one says, let go. Today I will not make myself crazy by trying to force or make something happen. Instead, I choose to step back, let go, and detach with love. What I need flows to me graciously and for my highest good. I'd encourage you to claim that if it resonates. Um, <laughs> um, I actually do have, um, if maybe astrology is a good, I started following this astrologer, Chani Nicholas. Do you follow her? She's got no. 440,000 followers. All right. I don't, but I'm going to. Um, I'm going to do yours because I read mine last night. So she okay. does one every month. Um, yeah. You are an Aquarius. I am. Okay. Welcome Aquarius season. Goodbye Cheeto Satan. Power to the people. <laughs> Love on your communities but from afar because people are also annoying. Death to celebrity culture. Buy everyone's book for their birthday because reading is a lost art. Eat the rich. Life is short. Have fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. What the f***? <laughs> well, that was a really erratic reading. I know. <laughs> okay, here's mine. Don't actually know what that means. Well, well, I really related to mine. Welcome Sagittarius season. Offend everyone with enthusiasm. Flee the tyranny mm. of boredom. If you like it, have a lot of it and then have some more. Flirt oh. with strangers. Be generous with your compliments and critiques, even though no one asked for your opinion. Life is short. Have fun. I just love that. Wow. That is so me. It is. That is very you, actually. Flirt with <laughs> Strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess this is now a uh, astrology podcast. So if you're not into that, uh, make sure you leave us a negative review. <laughs> negative review. Or just like, you know, send us like something in our DMs and let us know. <laughs> Give us some feedback. <laughs> oh, see you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.